Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. This is class two and this is session five. We are discussing intellectual disabilities and we've been looking at the different definitions. All right, so our terminology uh, for significantly sub-average intellectual functioning would be that your upper IQ ceiling, that would be the highest IQ score that the person might have, would be somewhere between 68 and 70, and that would depend on the task that you would use. Um, it is considered um, as a definition that you are two standard deviations below a mean of 100. So for some tasks that is 70 and for others that is 68. Um, you again must have adaptive behavior issues and the limitations have to be in at least two of the areas and that is also happening at the same time as your um, sub-average intellectual functioning and it does occur as we mentioned within that developmental period up to the age of 18. Um, as we mentioned from the idea definition, it does cause um, some adverse effects on the child's education so they're not able to participate fully in a traditional education experience without some sort of additional help. All right, so when we look at an IQ and we're assessing um, how you're doing intellectually, we do typically use an intellectual quotient um, formula for this. Some of the issues with giving an IQ test are that potential for cultural bias that we talked about a little bit when we were looking at multi multicultural issues, and we want to make sure that we don't have a test that has any of those biases. IQ scores, there's been some concern about how stable they are, and there are some studies that show that there are some flexibility there that, you know, you may score, say, 100 one time you take a test and you come back and take it again, you might be a 110. So there may be some flexibility there. It's not completely um, a stable number. Some people put too much emphasis on IQ scores. Now, all this IQ is supposed to do is tell us how well um, we might likely do in school. Um, that's what it was designed to do, and it does that usually fairly well. It will not tell you things like how successful you're going to be in your job or in your family life. It's just going to let you know if you're going to be doing well in school. Um, when we assess adaptive behavior, we really have to look at the environment that the child lives in and also any cultural influences. Um, so, for example, if you're dealing with a son um, from Middle Eastern parents, I've done this once, and um, the child was really incapable of doing much, but then in their culture, they don't let the boys do much. And so um, he hadn't been allowed um, in his home environment to actually do some of the things that we would have expected a child in America to do. So you really have to look at that and see if this is just a limitation from the, the culture the child lives in or if, if this is something they really can not do because of limitations. Uh, when we measure adaptive behavior, there are a lot of rating scales to, to check behavior. Usually as we do those, we're interviewing the family member or a teacher and we'll ask questions like, can this child feed himself? Can she tell time? Those types of things. Some of them are done by direct observation. And here, if you want to know if they can make a bed, you take them to the bed and ask them to make it up. So we will be learning what the child is capable of doing. So let me walk you through what an IQ score is. It does stand for Intelligence Quotient. 
Um, we have a ratio here. It's done a little bit differently, but this will give you an idea how this works. Um, this is how we used to do it. Mental age is your innate ability or cognitive ability. That, that's pretty much what are you capable of doing. Um, and you may have a mental age that is exactly the same as your chronological age, and it may be higher or lower. All right, obviously, your chronological age is how long you've lived. Um, we measure this with our children in years and months. So they might be nine years and three months of age. Um, and we would have now, the way we do this is a little chart in the back of our IQ um, booklet. It's going to go down and you find the chronological age. You go find their score and it's going to tell you their IQ. We used to use a ratio method and it was looking at the mental age over the chronological age times 100. And that would be our IQ. So, for example, if you were average um, and you were 10 years old chronologically and you were 10 years old mentally and you divided that and multiplied by 100, you'd get 100. And that means usually if you fall around 100, you're kind of right where you're supposed to be for your age. And we consider you average for your age. Um, those that are below average or might have intellectual disabilities um, would have several years um, lower in their mental age. And so this might be a 10-year-old child whose mental age was around 6, um, and they would have an IQ score of 60. All right, now, this is not really the same as thinking like your average 6-year-old. Right, it just means that they're quite below the level that they should be at, and so they're struggling. So remember, 70 is usually the cut. Anything lower than that is definitely an intellectual disability. And it works um, in the same way when we're looking at someone above average. If they had uh, a mental age above their actual chronological age, we might have 14 um, with a 10-year-old child, and they would have a score of about 140, and that would be a child who would be actually be considered gifted. That's much above average. We'll talk about that when we get to the gifted chapter. This is showing you a, a distribution of the scores. This is called the bell curve or the normal curve. And if you look in the very middle, um, there's a line there, and on either side it says 34.13%. Um, the, the, underneath that you'll see a zero. That's how many standard deviations. We're not at a standard deviation when we're right at the middle, and then we count up um, 1, 2, 3 on the right and down 1, 2, 3 on the left. Um, underneath it are IQ scores um, based off of the Weschler series of tests. And you can see that as you go down to standard deviations, you are going to be at the score of 70. All right, and when you add um, those numbers together at two standard deviations and three standard deviations, you're going to have about 2.27% of your children who might be in the mentally retarded range. These are some common items that would be on an intelligence test. These are not actual items, um, but there are things like school type information, vocabulary, where the child would say, you'd ask them, tell me what carpet means. Um, you might ask them comprehension questions like, why are police officers needed? Which is not usually something we teach, but they would, would figure out. Um, we have perceptual, spatial type questions, which um, your child with a learning disability will struggle on the verbal questions, but they'll do well on the perceptual, um, spatial reasoning questions. So you have the block design there where they would take those blocks that have 
um, different sides and make that picture um, with the blocks and if they can do that very quickly they would have good perceptual reasoning. Um, spatial reasoning is how you work together in space <coughs> and you would fold that box up and pick which one of those would match it. Um, other things that you might ask would be digit span where they would repeat the numbers that were given or you might give those numbers and they would repeat them backwards. So looking at that set of numbers, you would read them out and then they would read eight, one, seven, so forth. Um, symbol search would be looking at the um, little um, symbol on the left and then you have a dotted line and four choices. And you would mark yes if one of those choices matched the symbol on the left and you would mark no if they didn't and you would be timing these to see how quickly they could answer these questions. Um, some of these were repeats but you can see there's some other things on here such as logical reasoning uh, where we'll ask the child um, five girls are sitting side by side on a bench and Jane is in the middle and Betty is next to her on the right. Alice is beside Betty Dale is beside Ellen, who is next to Jane, and who are on the ends. And we would have our children um, try to think that through, all right, in order to tell us what um, the answer would be. All right, American Psychological Association has classified intellectual disabilities into categories. And the first category is called mild, and these are the closest to what we would call average, and the IQ range is usually about 55 to 70. Most of these children will be able to learn some academic skills, possibly up to a sixth grade education. Um, most of these individuals are going to be able to live alone um, and have a job. They may need a little assistance now and again, but you would find that of the 2.28%, 85% of those individuals would be in this category. And this group looks very, very typical. The next level down would be moderate, and this would be an IQ range of about 40 to 55. Um, academics are really very tough here for an individual to learn. Um, you'll note that possibly a second grade level, so we may learn to write our name and do some very simple, um, very simple, simple math. Um, usually we see people who, if they work here, they're working in a sheltered workshop which is a place where all the individuals who work there have some sort of intellectual disability and there are adults who are um, typical who are kind of overseeing the work. Um, oftentimes these individuals might live in a group home and of our two and a half percent or so, we have 10% who would fit here. Um, those with Down syndrome would be here. Severe um, is getting into something where we probably were noticing these things at birth and this was a 25 to 40 IQ range. Here we have individuals who are really going to struggle even to do basic tasks, you know, even things like push a button and have it pop up or um, put sponges in a bag may be very difficult for this individual. Um, some of them can package silverware like a knife and a fork and a spoon when you go out to a restaurant, um, pick up a little sleeve of silverware. Um, many can talk at least on some level, but vocational training is very, very simple if we do any. A note about 3 to 4% would be here. And our lowest level is profound, which is an IQ that is under 25. These are individuals who most likely are not uh, walking on their own. They're in a wheelchair. They don't talk. 
Um, they don't usually feed themselves, can't take care of themselves in any way. So we need constant supervision and aid, and this is about 1 to 2 percent. Um, severe and profound are considered low incidence um, disabilities and usually are noticeable fairly quickly at birth. The others may not be. Right, when it comes to different causes, there's three time periods where we may see causes. Prenatal is before birth, and there are chromosomal disorders such as Down syndrome, maternal infections like rubella, the mom is you know being exposed while she's pregnant, environmental factors such as you know drinking alcohol or having an injury, and then some we just don't know. Um, during the birth is called the perinatal period, and there are things that can happen here, gestational disorders such as diabetes in the mother, um, complications at birth are things like the cord wrapping around the baby's neck um, during the birth process, or you know having a um, really long, complicated birth and they didn't do a C-section. Anoxia is a term that means the oxygen was cut off from the brain and that can cause some other issues even beyond ID and any illness that was passed on from the mother to the child. Um, now remember this goes up to age 18 so we may see postnatal causes where the child has had an infection like meningitis. Um, intoxicants where the child might get a hold of bleach and drink that or even alcohol. Um, environmental factors such as injuries um, that the child may receive. They maybe have taken a fall and they didn't have a helmet on their head, something like that. Um, some of the common intellectual disabilities would be Down syndrome, which is um, on the pairs of chromosome, our 21st pair, we would actually have three chromosomes, which is called a trisomy. And of the different disabilities that are present at birth, this one is the most common one we see. Um, with this, we typically see an individual who is a little bit smaller than average. Um, they've got a fairly small mouth, and yet the tongue typically protrudes. Um, their hands are shaped um, shorter and broader. Frequently, they deal with heart issues, and they are usually in that moderate range when it comes to the intellectual disabilities. Fragile X is another genetic syndrome, and this one is um, the X chromosome is having some damage. Uh, you'll note it's the second most common. This is more likely to occur in male children. Uh, I may have that coming up, um, but they have one X chromosome, and um, if the it's damaged, then the fragile X will be evidenced. And in a girl child, both of her X chromosomes would need to be um, having that same coding for, for fragile X. And um, here we have a large head with a long, narrow face and a prominent forehead. And usually, again, our intellectual range is in that moderate range. Um, PKU stands for phenylketonuria. And here a child is born with an inability to metabolize some of the amino acids in protein. Um, and if we do eat protein, um, we begin to see intellectual um, deficits. We usually take a little blood out of the heel of the child to check for this. Um, any product with phenylalanine in it will cause 
um, further deficits intellectually. So you would want to look for products. Um, some of them actually will say that they do contain um, phenylalanine and you would not want to ingest that. Um, we put these children on a special diet that keeps them from eating any protein at all, and that will keep them from having um, the PKU um, really cause serious um, intellectual deficits. Fetal alcohol syndrome is another real common um, intellectual um, disability, and here it's a range of disorders. There's different things that can occur, but it occurs only if their moms drank alcohol excessively during their pregnancies. Most of our um, doctors recommend no alcohol use whatsoever um, during pregnancy, just so as not to take a chance. Um, usually it's a series of drinking that would cause something this excessive. Um, characteristics here would be facial features that are a little bit abnormal, the face is a little bit flattened, um, the eyes are a little bit wider, um, the growth is retarded and is not at its um, full speed, there'll be a short stature as well. Um, they have a lot of difficulty with attention, uh, some of the attention deficit problems will occur here, and there will be intellectual disabilities. Um, some of the characteristics with learning are attention is poor, memory has difficulty, academics are tough, our kids frequently don't have good motivation, they don't generalize well, this is learning a task in one situation and then moving to something else and learning, uh, applying that skill so you learned how to do addition and subtraction but you moved your checkbook and you just can't make it work. Um, language development might be poor. And in our social and behavioral characteristics, we've got interpersonal skills that are challenged. We just don't really understand um, the normal give and take of relationships. Um, frequently, we do and say things that are just completely inappropriate that we would be kind of shocked um, that somebody would think this, you know, they might come up and grab you and hug you and kiss your arm all the way up and you're just going, okay, well, this is not okay. Um, it makes people uncomfortable. Um, they have a hard time with friendships um, because, again, some of these social skills are very difficult. And as we mentioned earlier, it's easy sometimes to take advantage um, of these individuals. All right, so some of these kids can do well in school, um, at least up to a point. Um, but they're oftentimes going to need a one-on-one -on -one, um, assistance and say so we'll need some special ed service and possibly related services for them. And it depends on how serious that disability is. All right, but general education is our typical placement and we want our children with intellectual disabilities to at least be involved in that curriculum. Um, and so we can't take these children um, out of education just because they might need a modification. So they may be in a general education class with modifications. We would provide those supplemental aids and services for these students and accommodate whatever, you know, give them extra time if that would be necessary. Um, we may need special equipment. Um, possibly extra personnel to work with these individuals, but we want to keep them with the non-disabled children as much as we can, the maximum extent. Um, some of these children are going to need to work on what we call functional academics, which are not truly academic skills. They're day-to-day -day living skills, you know, how to do laundry, maybe how to cook. Um, might be more of our focus and then we blend in the academic skills that we 
can put in for these individuals. When we do these functional skills, um, we're trying to get this person ready to go out and live in a community at some point. And some of those skill sets are how to have uh, interactions communicating with others, um, how to take care of their own needs so that they won't need an attendant all of the time, uh, keeping themselves healthy and safe, uh, how to keep meds and things like that. Um, things that could be helpful in living in their family unit or even in a group home setting at some point, such as cooking and cleaning. Um, understanding a few social skills of getting along with others and how to um, treat people with respect and note how to take turns, uh, maybe in a group setting. Hopefully we can teach some basic academics, uh, such as reading, writing, and at least limited math and skills that would be helpful vocationally, how to fill out the job application, how to keep a bank account, things like that. As we transition, um, remember at age 16, we began looking at transition planning. Um, and it's really important here um, because this individual is going to have several adjustments to moving into the world of adulthood. Um, it really has a huge effect on how well people will be able to process new information. So we need to start this at least by the age of 16. Um, this individual will likely be in school till 21, so that will give us five years um, to work with them. And so we can have that process of building their skill set. Um, we may have, again, sheltered workshops for these individuals will be able to go and work, especially the more um, moderate to severe level. And we may have group homes where these individuals can live um, the moderate level, possibly severe. If you're talking profound, that's probably an institutional setting where they will live. And we are done for today, and you will uh, complete your reading and your writing assignments, and then take your quizzes and answer your discussion questions. Hope you have a good week.